0: Hey guys, and welcome back to yet another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And and I am super thankful for you guys for listening, tuning in, giving us your ears, and, and just giving this show a shot. We, we really appreciate it. We've been doing it for quite some time now, and the reward and reaction from you guys has not gone away. It's It's been absolutely incredible each week. So thank you so very much. And who are we speaking to this week, you ask Andrew? Well, I'll tell you. We're speaking with Ryan O'Leary of the bands Fit for a King and Off-Road Minivan. Ryan is someone I've known for quite some time. We all grew up together in the upstate music scene of New York at a theater called the Chance Theater in Poughkeepsie. Ever heard of it? Maybe, maybe not. But it was a great place to cut your teeth, a great place to grow and learn, and Ryan has been someone who has definitely given me a lot of knowledge over my years of pursuing this thing we all call (laughs) the music industry, and so I'm so glad and thankful to see him where he is today. So congrats, Ryan, once again. Super proud of you, man. And I hope you guys will enjoy this conversation as much as we did because it is a bop, as the kids like to say.
1: Yeah, and speaking of musical knowledge, we are selfishly taking all the musical knowledge that we learned in this episode and applying it to our band, The Stash, which if you haven't heard of The Stash, then I'm not sure if you've heard any other episode of this podcast because we talk about it literally every episode. But it's only because we really love the band and it's what we're really passionate about, just like this show. So if you are a listener of this show... And you like fun music then please check out our band we're on all the streaming platforms we're on every social media at the stash ny so please give it some love
0: yeah and so is this podcast we're on all social medias all dsp's uh, digital streaming platforms for those not in the biz which is fine you don't have to be in the biz to listen to this podcast we just we just want someone who if you want to how would i describe this all we want for the listener of, listeners of our podcast is to have a good time. So, don't worry about all this, this this business jargon here.
1: Just thanks for being here. You let us worry about the business jargon.
0: Yeah, let us worry about that. You just sit back and have a good time. And so we appreciate that, because doing this podcast is truly a good time for us. And speaking of a good time, here is Glow, by Off-Road Minivan.
2: Carolina, I kept on calling. Won't you bring it back
3: home? I just wanted to say goodbye If only I could see the light in your eyes
0: Hey guys, we're back with another episode. Today, we have a very special guest, someone that I've known for quite some time, Mr. Ryan O'Leary, a fit for a king and off-road minivan. What's up, Ryan?
2: Hi, everybody. How are you? Dude, doing
0: very good. How about yourself?
2: Oh, I'm doing pretty good, hanging out. Uh, we've gotten a nice warm-up to this chat already that I wish we could tell everyone about. because It's super <laughs> controversial and awesome. Um. Thanks to our sponsor, Jewel, for today. But only the
1: tobacco-flavored Jewel pods because, you know, we don't like to ruffle feathers.
2: Dude, I'm not (laughs) trying to get kids that are like, ooh, I love cotton candy. Like, give me cancer. Cool. But even though, I bet you cotton candy will give you cancer anyway. It all that sugar, bro. Sugar is cancer, man. It's going to kill everybody. The fairy
1: floss will sneak up on you.
2: Yeah, dude. I'm telling you. that's That's the real evil out in the world because I'm addicted to it. I love sugar.
1: I read somewhere on the internet, which means that it's true that cotton candy causes violence.
2: I read that somewhere. That's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) I I think that when I'm at a fair and I'm like with my girl and I'm like eating too much cotton candy and that guy looks at my girl and I'm like yo dog like I'm about to step.
1: Stop looking at my girl, dude!
2: Don't you see I'm holding cotton candy? (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting crazy here.
0: So, so, yeah, if you didn't have that cotton candy, it might just be like, okay, well, whatever. You know, it's, it's not going to get me that fired up. But you're saying the cotton candy really put that extra, like, pep in your step. Listen,
1: dude, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm way more passive. I'm not a scientist, but I know what I feel, okay? Because that's what I base my decisions on or what I feel. And I feel yeah. angry when I eat cotton candy, but I love cotton candy.
2: Yeah, I think that like cotton candy is like the closest thing to crack that you can get like legally. Um, You know, when you do cotton candy, it just gets you so hype, and it gives you that cotton candy strength, and you just want to do really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, my friend's sister's a nurse, so I can definitely confirm that.
2: Yeah, for sure, that's awesome. I I don't know anyone that's a nurse. I've actually never met a nurse in my life. I've never had any health problems ever.
1: Wow, (laughs) probably because of all the cotton candy and tobacco jewel pods
2: yeah i'm lying though (laughs) Uh, yeah you know i've had an issue or two i guess here and there hopefully nobody's perfect
0: yeah hopefully nothing too serious
1: (laughs) yeah let's really get into your medical history for a second here hey dude we have the better part of an hour
2: I guess this is what happens when you do like a podcast with someone that you know versus someone that you don't really know because then you just get weird from the start and you yeah, don't give that at like half a, hour buffer yeah. of like, can
1: I show you my real personality yet? Or, yeah, you know. yeah, there's a lot less of a buffer zone. It's just like, let's get into the weird shit.
2: No, I'm just going to sit here and sip my coffee. And Listen, speaking
1: speaking of weird shit, I'm going to be, this is, this is probably a first where I'm going to get into some business now instead of Chris. Weird shit. Your band off road minivan. I say that's kind of a weird name in a good way. I don't yes. I work at I work at an auto parts store, you know, during the daylight oh, hours. And I've never had someone come in and be like, Yeah, I've got a minivan, but it's an off road minivan, so those are the parts I need. So you know, where like where do you come up with the name like off road minivan?
2: Good question. Um the Thanks, name came from my my fiance and I we were on the interstate and we were in like standstill traffic. And this minivan went through the grass meridian and then it went onto the other side. And my fiance pointed and was like, Look, it's an off road minivan. And I was like, Shit, that's my Jimmy World. That's it. And it's one of those names that I've definitely had as many people say that they think it's stupid as they think that it's cool. And the whole, um, idea behind the name is really that like when you grow up in a small town like i did like red hook new york you know graduating class like 220 kids you end up remembering the things that are more monumentous which isn't it's it's the tragedy it's that family who is they were just innocently driving and the family was in the car and then they flipped and they died and now we have this memorial on the side of the road and that's how we remember them and that's the stuff that you remember, it's that and the overdoses and the the tragedy that strikes these small towns. So as silly as the name seems, it's actually a dead family and a flipped fan.
1: Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be I was not I was not expecting that answer like at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's way cooler than people think. They're just not creative enough to understand. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no. Yeah, okay. I, did, I had no just, idea. Yeah. Did, Tell us how you really feel. I had
1: no idea that your band was for the top IQ, you know, the, the philosophers, the thinkers, you know?
2: Yeah, I'm most certainly not. My IQ is probably not very uh, strong, but um, I, you know, it's just, I love stories and I really love, um, like thinking about the, small characters that you meet throughout your life. And we actually just finished a full length record recently. And a large majority of the songs are about people from the Hudson Valley who aren't with us anymore. Uh, and like telling their stories as to how they kind of ended up that way. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's more fun. Like I can't live in fantasy all the time. Like sometimes I want to just like write about something that actually is realistic and emotional. And even though these people weren't like my best friends, I still had over 10 plus years of research on them by just being in their lives to be able to, I think put together these songs in a way that, um, is authentic. Um, cause I would never want to just like steal someone's character and tell some story to try to get sales and be sad for the sake of being sad when it's not, it's more of a, I'm trying to create their legend. I'm trying to, you know, be like, Hey, well, you're not here, but I'm going to write this cool shit about you because I think you deserve it. And I thought you were a really great person.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, um, a couple names come to mind. We're not going to mention them right now, but I, I know where you're going with. And that's the thing about our area that, like, a lot of people, I don't think, speak about. Like, being from the Hudson Valley, like, yeah, it was on, you know, Time Magazine's Top 10 Destinations in the World to Travel, but there's also, like, a darker side of it, and a lot of young people get caught up in sort of the wrong thing. So I think it's it's really cool that you're sort of, like, taking those people who maybe had some unfortunate things happen and sort of like, like letting them go out in like a super positive
2: light. You, You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And I, I, yeah, I tried to keep it centric on the centered on, on Red Hook, New York, where I grew up and almost all the characters and, and songs on the record are either from Red Hook or, um, there's one song that's just about the Taconic in general. Um, and I use it as a literal and a metaphor, because if you recall, uh, there's actually just a podcast that came out about it recently, but about 10 or 15 years ago, a woman early in the morning, drunk and high in a minivan filled with kids, went the wrong way on the Taconic oh,
3: and I remember crashed
2: that. and killed everybody. So I wrote a really cute song about it um, and used it as like a metaphor. Cause that was always the thing upstate where, you know, you grow up in either, you know, whether it's, you know, small Red Hook and Rhinebeck or Fishkill or Hopewell or something. And you're like, man, I just want to get out of here and make it to a bigger city and make something for myself or like go to New York or I need to go to, you know, California and I need to, you know, be something bigger and better. And then there's so many people that I know that, you know, are from the city and they're like, man, I just want to go and buy a house upstate and live in the Hudson Valley and blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, that was my and in, it, in a the nutshell. S-
2: yeah, it's a polarizing, um, you know, back and forth. So I kind of used the Taconic as that connection where it's like, everyone feels like they went the wrong way on it. You know, everyone either went towards the town that they, you know, really feel like they were meant to be in, or they're stuck and just can't, can't get their way out. So I just wanted to, I guess, with my other project, I don't really get to write about local things as much um mm-hmm. because I don't think that it would make as much sense um to just like throw in a random song on a fit for a King album about Red Hook New York but when I had the opportunity I guess to write an entire album about it it seemed to make more sense for me
0: Yeah yeah that that makes 100% mm. uh, sense I think that that is I'm excited to hear it you know I mean especially for for us being from this area I'll certainly listen for that when when the record comes out but so you sort of been dancing around both of your projects and sort of your musical background so so let's just get into it you know Uh, i think we're all a little warmed up now i think it's safe to say so uh ryan why don't you take us back to to what inspired you to play music your journey and sort of what led you to be where you are today and you know we have all the time in the world so just as in-depth as you want to go we want to hear it
2: you got it i can get through it pretty quick i think um so uh first things first started listening to um you know alternative music my neighbors were really into like no effects and refused and you know stuff like that so started listening to alternative music and uh my uncle offered to teach my cousin and I guitar I took um, took him up on it I started playing guitar and the thing that really struck me first was my mom took my friends and I to go see the last big Coheed local show. Coheed was headlining the chance with local support. Second stage was just coming out. And when they played the song Never Ender, it just like struck a chord with me. I was like, I have to play this. I need to play music. This is sick. So started really getting into guitar. I met some kids in eighth grade who introduced me to Straight Edge and Emo and that whole thing. And in high school I found myself in like a few bands. I fronted my first Screamo band, this band called Annandale. And two of the members from that are actually an off-road minivan with me now. Um what, uh like almost 15 years later. And Then I was in a couple other bands in high school. I played in like a three-piece pop-punk band where I played bass and sang. I started playing bass because friends of mine were starting a hardcore band and they asked me if I would play bass. I was like, well, I've never done it before. They're like, well, we have one. Do you want to just try it? So in 10th grade, I started playing bass and just kind of stuck with it there on out. I found it easier to get in bands being a bass player, trying to, like, put on a fun show and being able to sing and scream, you know, in the background. So I played in this pop-punk band for a couple years as I started college. And then we were just going to Duchess and doing the community college thing. And then I met um, these dudes from the Kingston area who asked me if I would fill in for their band for a show at The Loft. It was this band called The Last of Our Kind. And we were opening for Barrier Dead, Bring Me the Horizon, Nights Like These, Ion Dissonance, In the Loft, in Poughkeepsie. And it was my first time since high school going, like, because I was just doing like the pop punk thing for a while. So this is my first time going back to, you know, the scene world. And there were more kids at The Loft than I had ever seen before. All these people I've never seen before, all there for Ollie Sykes. Literally, like, standing on the side of the stage, watching Barrier Dead. And Ollie standing next to me and Matt. And I was just like, who is this dude? Like, why are all these chicks, like, freaking out? <laughs> Lo and behold, they are now a monstrously massive band. Um, and so I played with that band for a few years probably four years or so they ended up getting signed at one point I got kicked out because me and one of the guys in the band really did not get along at all Um, and uh, you know that's fine like I was definitely butthurt about at the time so I started another band with my friend Chris and we were called visions there's still some stuff that's on YouTube uh, from the band yeah, and look
0: that shit up, guys.
2: Yeah, we Yeah, there's a song called like Yeah, Machine Language, Dead End. There's a song called Eighteen. There's uh Tory Black, bunch of stuff. Um, but so me and Chris started this band called Visions with um friends of ours from the area, Mel, Dave, and Chris, and it was really nice. Started this like positive, fresh, fun new project, and we were managed by the guy who booked all the local shows in the area. So we had a leg up on getting on really good shows. And that kind of helped get the band moving a little quicker. And a um, couple years later, we had been in talks with um, Roadrunner for like a year. And they wanted us to come do a showcase. And we went and did this showcase for the label. It was just us playing in a room, darkness in a dark, empty space, and then like eight people sitting in the back. And it was terrible. We did not play very well. It was like in a small jazz club. And there was just no way to like create energy out of nothing. It was so hard. And so they didn't sign us. They said that they were prepared to. And just it wasn't wasn't for them. So that crushed us. And our singer ended up leaving the band to go and tour manage sworn in because our manager had just started managing sworn in when they were just putting out like let down. And this was before snake eyes came out. Mm -hmm. So, um, Chris leaves the band. We kept the band going for a little while. I played bass, screamed and sang, and it was just really difficult. And we got a new drummer and things just weren't, weren't fun anymore. So we stopped doing visions and, um, Chris you know, continued on. Him and I had some beef because I was a jerk and I kind of went off on him for quitting our band when we were close. And lo and behold, Chris ended up meeting Fit for a King. And they needed a new bass player singer and Chris stuck his neck out for me and got me in connection with them and helped create a little dialogue. Jeff backed it up and... Um, Jeff was the manager So uh, I started doing um, I did an acoustic cover Of Keep Me Alive And I um, Did some like raw videos Of just me singing over a few Of the songs And then I Wrote pre-production for the new record But the first thing that really caught them I guess was we, we talked for like two month, Two or three months Me and Jared and I had sent them a whole bunch of material, pre-pro, and I'd sent them this song, um, called "Selfish Eyes," and it was a song that myself and Max Rye um, wrote. Who Max is a friend of ours from the area who played in bands. That, that, That's outrageous, and played drums for Alex Goot, um, super talented guy. And um, that was. They had kind of like molded over for like three months and not really said much to me other than like normal conversation. And then they were in a pit where they were about to start a tour and they're like, what the hell do we do? And Jared hadn't heard that song yet. He like missed it in our conversation, went back, heard Selfish Eyes and then sent it to Bob and was like, all right, we got to call this guy. So they called me and... I was working at Terrapin in Rhinebeck at the time. I was on my third day of training because I had just gotten um, fired from my other job. And they called me and they were like, how soon can you get here? Uh, Do you want to come try out? And I was like, well, how soon do you need me? And they said, how does four days sound? And (laughs) so I took my car off the road. I moved out of my apartment. I took everything to my parents' house. And I left and I had like prepared everyone in my life for it where I was like, guys, like if I end up getting this call, like I'm out, but you know, like three months had passed, nothing had happened. So I was like, I don't know if this is really going to happen. So they call, I go out there. I have one week to learn like nine songs and do my first like real tour more than like eight days. And, um, it went okay. Um, I The first night we... And this is... People always ask, why don't you guys play Skin and Bones? So, which is our like soft song. First night ever, we played it. I have the lyrics on a sheet on the floor right in front of my wedge. And I fucking butcher it. I butcher this <laughs> song so bad. Like just the worst ever.
0: Not a good start.
2: And yeah, and I was just like, okay, like I'm not. And there was like a good amount of people there. It was a hometown show in Dallas. It was rough. Um, so mm-hmm. we were like, okay, we're not playing that anymore. <laughs> we continue on. And uh, we did the short run with us, Sirens and Sailors, and Kublai Khan. And the last two shows were Skate and Surf Fest and then playing in Albany at that venue that shut down. I forget what it's called. Um, Some bar. Um, And then they, uh, at the Albany show in front of my friends and family, asked me if I, or announced that I was joining the band or that they had, you know, picked me, Um, which was really cool. I cried. Yeah, what and a nice then, time
0: for them to choose to do that, too. That's yeah, awesome, man.
2: Like, right before the encore, you know, like, last song, and they just, like, announced it, and it was, like, really sweet. It was like, okay, like, these people care about me. They're doing this in front of my family. They're doing it in a sentimental way. That's awesome, because that's I – I'm corny as shit, super soft. I love that kind of stuff. I want to be in love. I don't want to just do something for the sake of it, and I do – you know, years later, I very much love these men. They're incredible friends to me. But, um, so then we finished the record or we, we finished the tour. We have two days off. We go to my parents' house upstate in, um, the Catskills and hang out. And then we went and wrote and recorded slave to nothing. Um, a lot of the music was already done. Um, And then I, me and Ryan, wrote all the vocals. And it's a really weird record because one, I was really sad because I had a few friends who had passed away uh, in the last year that really messed with me. And then it was my first time not being high all the time. Uh, And it was very interesting for me. So it was like a total change from... And by high, I mean smoking weed. Like, I wasn't like smoking crack every day or whatever. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally. So, (laughs) you know, to each their own. So, like, it was an interesting experience for me. So, I ended up writing this incredibly sad record. The guys really let us kind of like fuel the album off of this emotion that I had been feeling. I had a friend die from a heroin overdose. You know, I was, you know, kind of clear headed for the first time in a long time. And, um, a friend of mine died from cancer so i was like okay i'm fucked up like let's write a fucked up record and it was cool but uh it really didn't correlate to the fans and it's really not like the best record because it's not cohesive despite the lyrical content being somewhat cohesive the sounds are all over the place like you can hear that bob really liked north lane and bring me the horizon at the time but we didn't do a good job of showing it um and it just was one of those records where the band just kind of stayed in the same position for the next 18 months. We didn't really grow very much. We didn't really go down. We just kind of stayed and figured it out. And then, you know, I'm in Fit for a King and that was it. And then, uh, yeah, we put out death grip, death grip really changed things for us. Finally gave us like a, a hit song, you know, things got better. Um, and dark skies is really like, just changed our lives a lot and we're super thankful and happy for how everything is going getting to tour a lot getting to tour with bands i love i get to live in a nice home and have a good living and um it's been really cool and through all the fitbera king stuff that is how i am able to do put together my side project offered minivan and um that's just a collaborative effort that's um some of the guys from my first band, Annandale, Melvin, who is in, Mel and Dave were both in Visions with myself and with Chris. And then uh, the drummer is my best friend on the planet, Evan. And um, we put together the song Spiral Gaze, just me, Evan and, Mile, uh, and and Melvin at first. And I showed it to Tooth and Nail, for my rep at Solid State. And they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I wanted to put out an EP and put out a music video and give this thing a shot and they let me do it. Uh, cause they're super nice. So that's all of it. That's all my stuff. That's start to finish. That's where I'm at right now. Um, so yeah,
1: everything has brought you here to Brooklyn playing Pokemon,
2: playing Pokemon. 100%. <laughs> I hope I get a Mewtwo today, but I don't really have a lot of friends out here. So I don't have like people I can go raid with, but, um, Hopefully, I'll get to raid with them. You'll, soon. you'll get
1: there, man. You just keep that same drive.
2: Yeah, I think I'll find one on the way to the gym later. The gym's like a mile and a half away, so I'm forcing myself to walk rather than take the train every day.
0: Nice, you know. No, yeah. One thing I, I do want to speak about with you is because I remember like back in the day, the day day going up to you and being like, "Yo, Ryan, like, like, what's good with the situation? Like, like, what what should I do here? You know?" And you seem to always sort of been. That sort of person who's like, we're all just figuring it out, but you were always cool to like talk and hear someone out and you still do that. You still are, even though you live in Brooklyn now, you still come out to local shows when you're home. I mean, there are other people who have moved on from our area that don't really try and give back and sort of have spread their wings and gone away and and now told the rest of of everyone just figure it out, you know? So like, what is it about like Poughkeepsie that you just like, because you are sort of like a helping hand, you know, do you feel that way about yourself?
2: Um, I try, I think that it's a double edged sword because there's a lot of people that I've tried to work with that I built good relationships with and then that it just blows up because some people, you know, are just better off being staying friends and I shouldn't try. I feel like I shouldn't try to help at times because I feel like a lot of people think I'm an asshole um, and think that I'm you know, trying to be like, Hey, I know better than you and blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's sad to see our scene, what it is versus what it was. I still talk to Jeff almost every day and we're always texting with each other. And it's just one of those things where I know that that talent is there. There's a lot of bands that I really like from the area right now. It's just, it's not very inclusive and it's, it's, kinda of heartbreaking. Like if you're not part of the cool kid club right now, like you're not invited. Um and I just you know, I've always wanted to stay home. I, you know, I I as a kid, I hated the Hudson Valley. I wanted to get out. I thought that I could never achieve my hopes and dreams in the Hudson Valley. Then things started to work out. And then I was like, oh, I never want to leave. I actually really like it here. And I want to just sit down and write music with people every day. I don't care about getting money from it. I just like doing it. It has, I make money. I have a job. I want to be creative and meet people that I enjoy. And that was, what was kind of heartbreaking about moving to beacon is I really didn't make very many friends there. Although there are an enormous amount of creative people. So, Yeah. Well, you know, long story short. Yeah, I I do think I'm someone that comes and tries to provide advice and I'm always down to answer anyone's questions or talk to anyone because who the hell am I to be too good to speak with any human? I don't care if you're homeless Joe or if you're, you know, D Trump's, if you want to (laughs) talk, like I'll, I'll talk to you, you know, whether it's going to be a good conversation or a bad conversation, I'll give it a shot. Um, But I think that part of the thing, too, is I was always mentored. I had Jeff from the time I was 15 until now. I'm 30 years old. I had someone who I thought I knew how to do things. And a lot of the time I just shut up and listened. And I think that that's important because that taught me a lot of really good things and I made mistakes. We made mistakes. We learned. I am 30 I have done this for a while I've been in local bands I've made nothing I've done cool stuff I do have some information to lend to those people but only if they want to absorb it and a lot of people don't want to because they want to do it their way they want to make it on their own and they think that they're um, worth whatever they think they're worth and that's fine And I'm all for that. I think it's good to be strong-willed. I think it's good to be independent. Um, But, you know, there may come a time where you look back and you're like, hmm, maybe I should have tried that. Because I know a few people from the Hudson Valley who are like, man, maybe if I wouldn't have been so headstrong about, like, my band, and we would have, like, signed that deal when that guy didn't necessarily say exactly what we wanted him to hear, but it was along the lines, I'd probably be in a cooler position than I am now because I'm not doing anything now and I could have been doing something. And everybody wants the big they want the whole cake. They don't want just a slice
0: mm-hmm. and it's
2: stupid. You need to go and get a slice, sit at the table. Once you're sitting at the table and you got a slice, you might be entitled to a little bit more. But don't think that you're worth the whole fucking cake because you're not. You ain't shit. So, watch it, go, learn, meet people, and care. Because the other thing is, my outlook on creating bands, and sorry if I'm on a tangent.
0: No, no, this is
2: but, great.
1: It's the name of the show.
2: Yeah, my my idea of creating bands, and this is kind of what I did with T-Look, you know, I kind of joined T-Look, and then we altered the band after our vocalist. You know, it, I guess he kind of, kind of quit you know, cause did the original vocalist of T look, he was a rock star. The dude was really, really good, yeah, but he wanted for, to go in. A,
0: just yeah. for anyone listening who might not know T look is the last of our kind. That band that you yes. said, you know, earlier in the conversation you had joined and right when they got signed, you sort of parted yeah. ways with the singer just for anyone who doesn't know the local abbreviation
2: <laughs> and there's stuff. Yeah, for sure. Right. And there's, there's stuff that's on, um, YouTube from that band. If you're interested for sure. Um, the last of our kind. And I think the album's called from diamond to dust. Um, I wasn't a part of it, but cool record. If you like, like Memphis may fiery speed rise Core stuff. Um, but I just always thought that the best idea with, you know, we kind of did this with T look once Jupy left, we kind of changed the lineup a bit because one of the guitar players, um, dated my sister and that didn't end well either. So, um, we shifted things. And we kind of just broke up a couple other bands in order to make our band. And we just picked who we thought was the best. So. When Visions came around, you know, that's why we broke up the Interstate Affair. I left and then Chris quit his band and we started a new band and we just went for it from day one. We went really hard. We practiced three times a week. We put out music. We just drilled it, played the best shows, sold tickets, did everything we could. There was nothing we weren't too good for, whether it was playing a roller derby or, you know, getting to play opening for Hollywood Undead in the Civic Center. Like we did it all just because we were always down to play. And I think that kids need to, because there is a gap in metalcore right now. And I was just having this conversation. There's no like really young, really hot new metalcore bands other than like, there's like Polaris and, you know, there's like Bad Omens and a couple bands, but like, it would be really cool to see more stuff like that. It's just, you know, sometimes you got to crack a couple of eggs to make an omelet. And, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of local bands Well, look around and be like, okay, this guy's the best screamer But his band's really not that good And this guy shreds, but his band's really not that good This guy's the best drummer, blah, blah, blah Put it together, make a super group Put together the best band that you can It will prevail, you know And then write, focus on really good music Don't focus on your hair Don't focus on gimmick Yeah. Focus on, you know, focus on writing the best songs And then hopefully, you know, it'll work out And I think that at the time Visions did something that was very different from T-Look from The Last of Our Kind. So it helped us because I didn't come out trying to do the same exact thing. We were like, "All right, we're going to be the under oath to your architects. Like, we're going to try to do something a little bit more melodic, a little bit softer, a little bit sweeter. um, And we're going to slow it down a little bit. Um, And it worked. It was very fun. I had a great time doing it. But um, you know, it's it's been difficult viewing the local scene the last couple of years, just because I don't think I have a place in it anymore. Um, I don't think. Sounds weird uh, to say that, but I think it's just I'm I'm old enough where I think some people care about my opinion, but they don't really want me to be a part of anything um you know and i think that that's part of my own doing from trying to work with people and it having it not work out so Hmm. sometimes when it doesn't work out you alienate yourself from a very large group of people who have a controlling share of the scene so um you know i think that at this time it's Not really the place for me. Like, I don't think that, like, off-road minivan... I think, obviously, we could grow a lot of fans there. Um, It's always possible. Anything is possible, because there have been bands that have been very successful. Look at Just Surrender will still play, and 800 people will show up. With The Punches will still play, and 800 people will show up. There are people in the Valley that want to love a band. They just don't. They haven't heard it. It's not in front of them. No one's getting it to them, you know, because you can't just play for the same kids every weekend.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, and not really saying you are a black sheep, but I mean, I sort of view myself as someone who was sort of maybe pushed out. We don't need to get into the politics or anything like that. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Like I definitely no
2: dog. Let's talk shit. Let's pick some people. Let's call out some names.
0: I'm
1: ready. Come find me. Yo, was I the, mean... was the floor at my place pizza carpet or like hardwood floor? No one knows. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't. I
0: I, I didn't get the cake. I, I I have. I would like to say I have a, a very small sliver, and I think that's more than I would have had if I was still I think, playing personal we've, politics. We, we've so. gotten a couple small slices, yeah. but like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy where we're at. There's still a long way to go. So I think you know it's it's one of those things where it's it is a beautiful thing when you're in it but you're right yeah it is it is very much so a cool kids club and once once yeah. you're not in it anymore it's hard to um it's hard to even even walk in the door let alone get a gig or something like that but i do want to switch gears just a little bit here as we're, we're sort of rounding like a little bit over the halfway point you know so you're 30 now yeah when did you join fit for king what what age were you
2: 25.
0: 25 okay yeah so, so
2: about five and a half years ago or
0: so. so so what advice do you have for the dream chaser the the person who who was you at 25 you know who just just kept going um like like how'd you, how'd you get through that time up until then because you had had some success but like you like we heard in your journey there was a lot of ups and downs and i think in anyone's yeah. journey there's more downs than ups you know so like what's your advice for someone who's just like trying to get that full cake you know
2: I think you have to be open-minded to every opportunity that comes your way so at that time i was making acoustic music because all i had was myself and i was talking to a pop band who i was going to try out for and went and met with and personalities didn't mesh long story short that dude now has a new project and is massive it's that I like that you're broken, broken like oh, Mm -hmm. Mitchie. um, Mitchie, yeah. Nice.
0: Um,
2: It was that oh, honey band. I, I, you know, was talking to Robbie and I went and hung out with them and I was going to try out for bass. I just, I don't think that Mitchie and I would have meshed very well. Very um, different personalities, so it wasn't for me. But I just kept myself open to like whatever was around. And you have to be a dreamer where from the time I was a little kid, all I ever wanted to do was perform. I was so scared of the idea of having to memorize a plethora of knowledge about one topic, but yet I could learn an entire script or I could, you know, write songs. So I was like, okay, this is all I really have. So I'm just going to keep going. And during 24 to 25, was really hard because I didn't think I'd get to do it anymore. I didn't think I I thought I was kind of too old to start another, you know, screamo band. This was before being in an alternative band was cool. So it's not like I could be like, oh, let's just start like a rock band. Like, that's the thing. Nobody knew right, that was yeah. going to be the thing. This is before the basement comeback that kind of changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, And I just didn't really know what to do, but I stayed a dreamer and I kept, you know, trying to pursue opportunities. So a lot of people, you reach this period in your life. And I talk to guys about this all the time on tour and they're like, I'm in a band and I'm trying and I'm, you know, 20 something. And I'm just wondering why things won't work out for me. I think that the best advice for anyone is, okay, if I'm a, Fit for a King-esque band, right? And I'm trying to be that style. Well, I'm going to look at where they're making records, who they're writing with. Maybe I'm going to try to get a hold of Bobby, see if Bobby will help write songs with me. Maybe I'll um, go to the studio that they use and try to do that. Okay, we're going to really, right now for the social media age, if everyone in your band isn't working a job and putting money towards the band, get rid of them. They don't care be with people that care that will put money into advertising your dreams that will push your band that will help you get the t-shirts that you can sell to make more money so you can buy a van. Someone that will actually go sell tickets to the show and not go. I don't want to sell tickets. I'm too cool for that. It you have to be one hundred and ten percent in like if I got a call from Ryan Kirby right now. I would answer, and if he said, you got to get on a ship and sail to Antarctica, I would do it. I would do it without even thinking about it, because that's how you have to be. Now, the hard part is a lot of people want the glory before the grunt work. The bands that do best are the ones that are going out there and paying for a little bit better of a music video and putting advertising into it, and... You know, following the bands that they like and not being envious, but trying to get to those fans. Don't be, you know, mad like, oh, my band's not taking off, but, you know, Wage War is massive. What the heck? Go and approach every Wage War fan on the planet and make them understand why they are supposed to prefer your band or like it as much or just enjoy it. There's enough food at the table for everybody to eat. You just got to get a seat. The only way to get a seat is to just work. Everyone wants to put up a song. Like, remember when That's Outrageous put up two songs on Pure Volume and then they got signed? Oh, yeah. And it was crazy. It was crazy. (laughs) Everyone was like, wow, this is the most nuts thing ever. Oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden they're opening for Mice and Men and they're opening for Memphis Mayfire and all this stuff. That ain't going to be you. The likelihood (laughs) that that is you. Right, right. Exactly. It's so slim. It's so slim. And Fit for a King, the one thing that it's taught me the most is it's better to go inch by inch than mile by mile sometimes because the rise and fall is going to be much more steady. And nobody's going to stay on top. Not everybody's going to know what it looks like. But at least you can understand your way down a little bit better, too. And... You know, these, you know, I think that the, the most important thing for young people right now is to just stop thinking that you care about something and actually give your life for it. Like, I didn't care. I didn't know how to love someone until I got my career. I, I don't think I was a good partner. I don't know. I think I was a good friend to my bands, but my friendships shifted depending on who I was in a band with because I was with those people all the time because all I ever wanted to do was practice. Mm -hmm. You have to have that fire that's like, like I've seen the difference between guys that are super talented and capable versus the guys that really care a lot. I was never the most talented. I just cared more than almost everybody else. And I think that that's just the ending factor is that the guy that gets in the boardroom, the guy that is the, you know, doing, you know, making big, big moves, he's going to be the most relentless motherfucker you've ever met in your life. He is going to make decisions that nobody wants to make, and he's going to do what nobody wants to do in order to get there. You have to have a bit of that in you. Because, you know, there's only so many insanely talented people. There are some people that are just so God-given talent good that they're just going to be famous. But there's a lot of people that do very well for themselves that aren't that. They just worked really, 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 really hard. You know? So put together the best group of guys that actually are really focused put your your savings into it put your time into it get on the road put out the best music you can and make sure that you're not just making music and thinking like I think the biggest problem I think the biggest problem is a lot of bands write music and they think it's really good and it's not that good and they need to think well this is good for me but is this like big boy good is this like if I'm trying to be you know Is this like a day to remember good or like Whitechapel good or like is this just like okay good you know because I need to be Mm -hmm. top top right and you know a lot of that comes from being around the right people don't be scared to work with someone and have someone help produce your music important we all do it we have someone that helps us write our songs and he like is incredibly smart and he makes really good choices and inevitably songs get better you know there's no shame in that everyone does it michael jackson did it we do it everybody does it so don't just sit in your friend's basement forever because you you really love the price joe Schmo gives you save your money, go somewhere sick. Like That's why bands took off. They would like go to Cameron Mizell or Joey Sturgis and record an EP and then it would sound absolutely insane and then they'd get signed and then it would work. It's a formula. Just follow it. Don't be ignorant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sure we could go on and talk about this and everything else for hours and hours, but unfortunately we do have to start wrapping it up. But before we do that, we have a question for you. Yeah, we've got this segment where we're doing with our guests where if you can describe you as a creative, you know your day to day life, how you creatively live in one word, what would that word be? And then feel free to elaborate on that word afterwards. But for first, just give us one word.
2: That's really hard. <laughs> um, I guess myself as a, I I guess storyteller. Okay. Probably.
1: I like that. And and why?
2: I think it's my favorite part. I think it's the part that brings me the most joy is when, and this was a nice. I, I showed the off road minivan record to someone recently, and I'll send it to you guys after this. Um, Sick. And the greatest compliment I received about it was like, man, when I'm listening to this, I can really picture it. I can I can picture the settings and the people and like what's going on and those were always my favorite songs like i just wanted to make music that doesn't just sound like you know like okay in metalcore we do a lot of the i am the something and you are the black Send you, to hell. you know yeah. and yeah, totally. and that's cool for that and it's really cool for that and I, you know i like that even though some of like when everything means nothing is more of a story where in that song i'm talking about how you know i'm just staring at a screen and i'm sad and i'm done with this bullshit of like comparing myself to every because i can't help it i compare myself to every other band out there and every other artist and get upset like yeah, why is this person headlining this? But we're not even I, on. the I'm bill, constantly but, telling
0: you know. myself not to compare because it's not going to get you yeah. anywhere. Not going to do you any good. Ah. So I then hear you. Then you got to stop looking <laughs> yeah. at the
1: Spotify monthlies, Chris. <laughs> oh, dude, strange. I do it all the time.
2: I do it every day. <laughs> it's oh, it's man, too. It's yeah. too much. I think That's it's. Crazy. I think it
1: might be Chris's third um, most used app on his phone is Spotify for Artists, just checking is, those man. those numbers.
2: Yep, and it's and but I appreciate that. I'm glad you do it because it's important. Oh, so do I? Because I'm not doing and. It. Yeah. And I think that there's always a guy that's in the band that has to do that for fit for a King. It's Ryan Kirby for Alfred minivan. It's me for the stash. It's Chris and someone that always, you know, pushes that. But yeah, just, you know, I always just wanted to be a storyteller, man. I think that the first song I ever wrote was after my grandfather passed. I wrote a song called Memorial Day. My mom kept the lyrics. She has them still in like a, you know, a binder at home. But, um, I just, you know, told this story about this vet and this man and blah, 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 you know, and it was just always the part that interested me. I just I like pictures. I like visualization. I don't I want to be inspired. I want I want you to take me there like a movie. You know, I, I want I want to feel the emotion you're feeling. I want whether it's happy, sad, angry, whatever, like, you know, give it to me at the fullest. Don't just give me some half-assed metaphorical crap about you know something that really means nothing to you because if it means nothing to you then how is it you know it shouldn't be successful that's not fair that's not right you know we want people in this world creating art that that really means something to them and is passionate and filled with love and true emotion and so i i think that by telling stories I'm able to tap into something that I couldn't otherwise i I like when I listen to my own songs and they make me cry. I think that if i don't can't if I can't strike that chord for myself, I don't expect anyone else to it seems silly true yeah, yeah. so
0: true I think it's a beautiful. Uh, sentiment to end it on um, Ryan thank you so much for being a part of our show man we really appreciate you taking your time out of the day out of your day to chat with
1: us yeah thank you
2: See, no problem sorry that I ranted a tremendous amount um, you, you have no idea how yeah.
1: easy that makes our job though nah man you, you,
0: <laughs> I'm so I'm so I'm so happy for you man um, someone who's known you for quite some time I've seen that fire I've seen that drive and you know you, you, you've conducted yourself like a real pro you know, for such a long time. And I'm really glad to see you paying off dude. So just want to let you know that on the record and off the right. record. Dude. Well, I have, we're all rooting for oh, you. Here I right haven't, haven't known camp. you.
1: I haven't known you that long, but I'll tell you that in the maybe three conversations that I've had with you, I've learned more than most teachers taught me my entire public school career. Right.
2: Thank you very much. And I hope you guys know, you know, I'm always down to chat because it's fun. I, you know, I like talking to people and I like talking about the Talk stuff. And shop. And, you know, yeah. And I, I appreciate you uh, saying that Chris, you know, hopefully I won't get canceled and I'll be able to continue <laughs> for a long yeah. period of time. Yeah. Listen, if you, you ever, know.
1: if you ever write a book series, let me know because I feel like you could write some pretty cool stories as a book.
0: Yeah. And so with that being said, where can people Ooh. keep up on what you might do next? You know, where can they find you? What can they expect from, from both of your projects and just maybe you going forward, like let, let them know before we let you go here.
2: Um, just all the social media stuff, On um, you know, I, I am the rap god, Hustle Crow. You can find me on Instagram, Hustle <laughs> X Crow. Um, you know, greatest rapper alive. And, you know, you can check out uh, Fit for a King and Off Road Minivan on all forms of social media um, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, and Off Road Minivan will be coming out with a new record this year. Um, no date is determined yet, but very soon, now that it is finished. Um, and Fit for a King is starting a new album January 2020, so uh, lots of tour dates out. Fitforaking.com, and
1: and the book series yeah. is coming soon. Book series is coming <laughs> soon. Um,
2: actually, you know, like I, I I hit you guys up for advice because I I need help starting a podcast because we're going to start for the next album cycle. I'm going to start Fit for a podcast, and um, I love that. Yeah, I feel like. It would be fun to just actually get to dive into, you know, letting people know more about the band. I feel like it's the wave. It's funny when you listen to like, <laughs> yeah, like, like I listen to wave. like your mom's house all the time. Your mm-hmm. mom's house podcast with Tom Segura and Christina P. And they talk about how they've been podcasting for like 12 years. And I'm like, I have known about podcasts for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> what is yeah, this totally like? right? <laughs> right. As
1: long yeah. as this show's been going on, that's pretty much when I found out about podcasts. So don't feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: trying to keep up with the world is hard you know um, i can't my hairline didn't that's for sure so we'll <laughs> see but yeah so, hey, so yeah, i appreciate man. you guys
0: you, you too dude and you know i want to play we usually just play one song but i want to play a song from from both of your projects at the end of this episode if you're down with that so why don't you tell the folks you know what two songs you, you'd like them to hear
2: um, I would like them to hear Spiral Gaze by Off-Road Minivan, and then I would like them to hear uh, Shattered Glass by Fit for a King. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, we're going to hit polar opposites.
0: <laughs> Perfect, dude. Thank you again, Ryan, so much, man. We really appreciate it. Of course.
2: Absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you.
0: You too, dude. Peace out.
2: All right. Peace.